prepare your ears, humans. Happy, sad, confused begins now. Today on Happy, Sad, Confused, our live event with Taron Edgerton from Kingsman and Rocketman to his new series, Blackbird. Hey guys, I'm Josh Horowitz. Welcome to another edition of Happy, Sad, Confused. Well, I'm back from a big adventure, an annual adventure, though the last couple years obviously it was not an adventure, to San Diego for Comic-Con, the big kahuna of all Comic-Cons, say that three times fast. Um, And what a joy it was to be out in the world alongside thousands of my nerd friends reveling in all the genre fun um and it was exhausting it was it was fun um and it was you know there was that deja vu feeling because this was i think my 13th comic-con if you can believe it um and it's yeah it's a privilege to get to do what i do and especially i'm reminded of that at events like comic-con where i really have it i have a good deal because what i did out there this year and by the way, the main event, and I'll get to it in a bit, is Taron Edgerton, and it's a great conversation, and it was one of our live conversations in New York, and it's fantastic. But I want to give you guys the lowdown on Comic-Con, because so much happened there, and I was in the center of it all, so that's kind of cool. So, um, so yes, my deal at Comic-Con this year, as it has been in many years, was we have our own nice, cool, crazy set that uh, where I talk to casts of uh, movies and TV shows for... MTV, and this year it was MTV and also some interviews for Comedy Central, and um, it's, it is exhausting, but it's, it's exhilarating too, it's a mix of kind of like new faces and old, it's like new faces where it's like a cast of a show like Paper Girls or Vampire Academy, um, Bodies, 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 which is kind of a mix of old and new, um, and then it's, it's kind of, um, you know, bigger stars that you're more familiar with, whether it's like Zachary Levi, who we had in for the new Shazam film, or um, the cast of Dungeons and Dragons, which was Chris Pine and uh, Reggae John Page and Michelle Rodriguez and Hugh Grant and Sophia Lillis. Um, so it's always fun that way, right? Like I get a chance to see people I've known forever, but I get a chance to meet the next wave of stars. And it occurred to me, like when I was on my way over there, I was looking at my old photos, like, oh yeah, like I met so many people at Comic-Con for the first time. I met David Harbour there for the first time, and I remember meeting him there and being like, oh, this guy's awesome. Like, I just, like, I clicked with him immediately, and, and of course, now we've become buds, and it's, it's, it's great. Same way with Sam Hewitt and Katrina Balf. I met them at Comic-Con, um, and that, that I have a thousand stories like that. So, and this year, this year, the same thing happened. Like, I mean, I got a chance to meet, I don't know, one jumps out, let me think, Jonathan Majors. Jonathan Majors, who I'm such a big fan of, got a chance to finally meet him. Um, so, like I said, it, it's it's a really exciting event, and I, it's not lost on me uh, the privileged position I had or have. Um, and we've been churning out the content. The MTV and Comedy Central crews are awesome, and they really churned and burned um, all the great uh, content we were able to, to do this year. So, if you want to catch um, what we've done, I guess the best... So, all the MTV News stuff, they put most of the stuff up on MTV News's um, Instagram and MTV News YouTube, and most of it's short form stuff. It's like minute long uh, bites. Um, there is some long form stuff. We posted my entire conversation with Kevin Feige, uh, which is always a rare treat, and Kevin was 
I have to say, very, very nice to me um, in what he said to me. And um, yeah, so I'm grateful to him for that. Um, we also posted our annual Geeks and Posers game where I ask all the stars, or as many of the stars as I can, a bunch of kind of uh, trivia questions. That's always a blast. That's on the MTV News YouTube page. Uh, Comedy Central is just starting to unfurl all the fun stuff we did with folks like Kevin Smith and Justin Long, um, Mike Judge. So, yeah. And then I haven't even mentioned the Marvel press line. So the Marvel, what always happens, just so you guys know, and sometimes it's fun to hear the inside baseball, I guess, right? So all the folks come to our suite, except for the, Mar the Marvel folks. The Marvel folks basically don't do any one-off stuff except for, I think they do the EW suite. Um, where they do photos and I think some interviews. But they do do this press line, which is essentially a glorified red carpet. And it's chaotic and it's massive and it's a ton of stars and you don't know who you're gonna get really until the last minute. And we did really well. We got pretty much everybody we were hoping to get. And uh, yeah, let's see. So, so we talked to we talked to Tatiana Maslany from She-Hulk and Jamila Jamil. Uh, we talked to the whole gang from Ant-Man and the Wasp. Oh, yeah, Catherine Newton, new star that I had never met, that I've been, you know, definitely following, excited to meet her finally. Got a chance to catch up with Paul Rudd, Evangeline Lilly, uh, bombed uh, my, uh, not bombed in a bad way, but just kind of jumped into my interview with Kobe Smulders. That was fantastic. The Guardians were there, so caught up with Pratt and Karen Gillan and Palm Clementif and James Gunn. And then the Black Panther crew, and if you, I'm sure you guys have watched the, the Black Panther Wakanda Forever trailer, which is so emotional. And as emotional as you think the trailer is, I mean, and I know this, this is not like revealing any secrets, the cast was very emotional. They were very emotional on stage. They needed some time before they came to the press line. This is obviously the film they've made after the passing of Chadwick Boseman, and it's uh, you can feel it in the film in the production and you know this was this is more than a, a loss of a of an artist this is a loss of a human being that they all really was important to them so those were more um you know he, you know more intense um thoughtful conversations but i did get a chance to catch up with lupita nyongo and Letitia wright and winston duke so um yeah kind of a blend of everything a lot of fun interviews some more serious interviews but um all all great, and I, I just I came back from San Diego just exhausted psychologically and physically, but really happy and satisfied. Um, and then I got a chance actually the the night before I left San Diego, they always culminate. I hope this is interesting to you guys, but maybe if you weren't had, didn't have a chance to go to San Diego, hopefully it's it's interesting. So the night before the last big night of Comic Con, which is Saturday night, there's a, a big party that Entertainment Weekly. Um, throws uh, that uh, I was privileged enough to be invited to and it's really it is the big party in town it's the one where like the folks actually show up so um, yeah because some of the other parties it's 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 not so talent uh, talent heavy but um, got a chance to see a lot of people I hadn't seen in a while as well I saw I saw my beloved Matt Smith who couldn't be sweeter <laughs> It was just so, he was, I was very sweet. He was very excited to see me. I was very excited to see him. I was more ex even excited to see him too because he was with Karen Gillan. Karen and Matt in the wild together? What? Um, so got a chance to catch up with them there. Uh, got a chance to meet another person, actually, who I've never met in person before. Uh, Simu Liu, Shang-Chi himself, uh, who I've done stuff with, over Zoom with. And we've tried to make some stuff work, actually, in person that didn't quite come together, but uh, was lovely. It was lovely to meet him there. Um, Jacob Badalon caught up with him again. We did some stuff for Comedy Central. 
who else? I can't even think. I don't know. It was a fun, it was a good night to kind of like just relax, have a drink or two, and then go to my hotel room and sleep for four hours before my flight. As I said, I'm tired, but but satisfied. Um, so hopefully you guys are enjoying all the content I've been putting out there, we've been putting out there. As I said, if you want to look at my interviews, go to the MTV News YouTube page, go to uh, their Instagram, go to my Instagram and Twitter. It's all there. It's gonna, it's still coming out, um, but um, really great. And great, by the way, to see some folks um, that uh, just walking the streets of San Diego that were kind enough to come by and, and say hi and say they were fans. That always means a lot. So thank you all, to all of you. All right, so uh, I guess let's get to the main event because you know even without Comic-Con, we've got a big, fun, awesome show today because we did another live event in New York City with Taron Edgerton. And of course, Taron Edgerton is one of the great talents in his generation. He must be just, I think he's like 30 now. I don't even know. But Taron, um, of course, came to prominence in Kingsman, uh, was great in Eddie the Eagle, uh, and then you know shot to new heights, no pun intended, with Rocketman playing Elton John and is now showing off a different side, a really dramatic, great role for him in this limited series for Apple TV Plus called Blackbird, which I definitely recommend. I binged the whole thing. Um, this is based, uh, this is like uh, written by uh, a great writer, uh, author and writer, maybe best known for um, uh, Mystic River, Dennis Lehane. Um, it stars Taron alongside uh, Paul Walter Hauser, the late, great Ray Liotta. And basically, in a nutshell, Taron plays a guy, and this isn't revealing anything too much uh, because in the, it's in the early moments of the first episode. He's kind of living a high on the hog lifestyle, dealing some drugs, just getting into into some bad bad news. Ends up in prison, makes a deal to cut his sentence in order to try to elicit some confessions from a guy that may or may not be um, in prison, who may or may not be responsible for more than what he's in prison for, more deaths. And that's the Paul Walter Hauser character, a very dark, disturbed individual. Um, as I said, really, really haunting, fantastic performances from Taron and Paul in this. The first bunch of episodes, I think the first three or four, are already out on Apple TV+. Plus. I think it's a six-episode run. I watched it all, really enjoyed it. So um, we dig into that in this conversation, but we dig into a great many other things, just the arc of his career. Uh, been talking to this guy since the start, and really excited to see what's what's to come next. He, you know, people want him to play Wolverine. I want him to play Wolverine. We'll talk about that. Uh, his upcoming movie in the Tetris movie, which is I'm not even sure what it's going to be, but that's that's a curiosity. Um, and yeah, much much more. This is this is one of those guys that can do it all. He can obviously act and sing. He's kind of, you know, much like a guy he's co-starred with. Kind of the next. Uh, it's, it's cruel to say the next Hugh Jackman, but he's got those tools like Hugh does and very charming and very sweet. So um, check out Blackbird. It's on Apple TV Plus, well worth your time. And I hope you enjoyed my spiel on Comic-Con. You know, the inside, the inside dope sometimes is, is interesting to hear, I hope. Uh, as always, you can watch most of, if not all, the Happy Sad Confused Conversations on our Patreon, including this one. It's available right now on patreon.com slash happy sad confused. The link is in the show notes. So you can watch this entire conversation with Taryn, as well as dozens more game nights, all sorts of bonus stuff on the Patreon. Again, it's patreon.com slash happy sad confused. All right, here I'm gonna toss to myself at the 92nd Street Y 
with Taryn Edgerton. Enjoy. Hi, New York. Thank you so much for coming out tonight on this uh, somewhat gloomy, humid day in New York, but you're in for a treat tonight, guys. Uh, I love doing these happy, sad, confused live events with the 92, uh, 92 NY. They are always a delight. It's great to see all of you here, and we have a special one tonight. Um, this man, I, I've been talking to his entire career, from the beginning to where he is now. It's been a remarkable journey already. Um, you know him, let's see, as a Kingsman? You know him, you know him as Elton John? Uh, you know him as a singing gorilla, yeah. And uh, as you can tell from Blackbird, uh, this is a performance unlike any you've ever seen from him. It's another remarkable uh, stretch for him. This guy can do everything. Please give a big 92NY welcome to Taryn Edgerton. Hi, guys. Uh, thanks so much for being here, man. It's good hey, to see you. thank you. Thanks so much. Uh, all right, so we have a lot to talk about. Um, this show is remarkable. Uh, a Blackbird, this limited series, Dennis Lehane. It obviously has the pedigree. Um, six episodes, guys. I watched it all. It's fantastic. This is your first like live action performance since Rocket Man. It is. Yeah, it is. It's. I mean, yeah, it's three three years since Rocket Man. Um, and I knew when I did that, um, I mean, I'd had these great opportunities with Kingsman and, you know, uh, Eddie the Eagle and various other things in my 20s, but Rocket Man was just this career, life-altering experience for me, and I knew that I wanted to follow it with something that felt as heavyweight and as interesting. Yeah. And then shortly after we finished the, there was an awards run for Rocket Man, and shortly after we finished all of that, uh, obviously the world stopped, and I was sat at home for a few months. And then in July of 2020, I was sent these scripts, and it just, it just blew me away. I could not believe, I could not believe that they were offering me this job, because the writing was just more sophisticated than anything I'd dealt with before. I think I felt like you know, why are you offering a kid from West Wales this tough Chicago and, you know, I was, I mean, I was pleased, but, you know, it just, it, it wasn't in my ordinary wheelhouse. Right. So, um, yeah, I was just so excited. I mean, yeah, my sense from you is you see every job as an opportunity. It's like, like you're still relatively early in your career and, and, and it's time to stretch, every job should be an opportunity to stretch new muscles and to yeah, find new. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I mean, I think, I think that might have something to do with being like from a less affluent background, mm -hmm. maybe a little bit. I don't, I feel, I, I always feel like a tourist. I never feel like anything's for granted. I feel like every, and I feel like everyone could be my last. And I don't think that will ever go. But I think if it does, that's when I'm probably in trouble, you know? The, the one thing that struck me about this show, so you, you, if you guys just watch the trailer, you see, um, We've got Paul Walter Hauser in there, uh, who's remarkable in it. Ray Liotta, I believe this is his final performance. Uh, yeah, I think so. I think they may, he maybe has one other maybe thing. Maybe one more, okay. Um, but, 
and kind of heartbreaking given the nature of his performance in this, but it's exceptional work as it always is, that a lot of your scenes are like one-on-one -on -one with yeah. another actor, whether it's Paul or Ray, yeah. other actors, and that must just read as just such like an opportunity for you as an actor, because that's like where the real work is. You can just sink your teeth into that stuff. Totally, it's such a, it's such an actor's piece. Yeah. And as you say, generally the other, the other main characters in the show, I only ever really interact with them each separately, you know? Um, and when the scenes are of this caliber, when they're this rich and they're this, I mean, I don't know, I, can't, I just can't speak highly enough of the writing. Yeah. Um, Dennis Lehane of Mystic River fame, yeah, exceptional, yeah, exceptional and you know, written the stories behind so many kind of great Hollywood movies. Yeah. Um, but uh, yes, Taryn, come on, engage your brain. <laughs> <laughs> we were talking about the one-on-one -on -one kind of like nature of like these kind of juicy scenes with other actors. There's also the physicality. I mean, like you're, you're as big as I feel like you've ever been in yeah. this film. Like it's like yeah. it's like Christian Bale American Psycho territory. It's kind of like a yeah, new I went, I went for it. I think because I think because I've done bits. So I've done like when I've done action things in the past. I've done gym time with varying levels of success. Um, but <laughs> but I um, I for this I knew that. Um, because it's so linked in with who the character is. Yeah. It's not just, you're doing an action movie, you need to lift some weights and eat chicken and broccoli. It, it's, it's more like he is this kind of very conceited, narcissistic, quite self-absorbed character who is hyper-masculine. And I mean, there is also just the fact that the real guy was actually in incredible shape. But for me, it was more than that. It felt right it felt like it was the key into playing him yeah because he's got this peacocky assuredness that is about i don't know he's just got that very alpha thing and it wouldn't have worked if i didn't look like i could hold my own i don't think i wonder if there was like per what you were saying before like psychologically like oh i've done the work i put in the work yeah and i've earned like yeah and i think for me as well because you know anybody who knows me and knows my work is like I'm, I am not a tough guy, you know? Um, but I, I felt like I could play one, but it, it just, I, I felt like I needed to change myself a bit to get there. Uh, we have a clip uh, I wanna show you guys. This is you and Paul Walter Hauser. Again, just one-on-one, -on -one juicy stuff. Uh, let's take a look at Blackbird. Is this you? Where's this from? It's a reenactment. A bunch of us will get together and reenact famous Civil War battles. Those mutton chops? Burnsides. Generals wore them back, back then. That guy right next to me, that's my brother Gary. We're identical twins. Really? He looks bigger. He fed on me when we were in my mother's belly. He got all my nutrients and whatnot and grew big and strong. And I kind of withered, I guess. What? Ah, you look fine to me. Why are you being nice to me? 
don't know how anyone does time in a place like this without a friend to talk to. And we're right across from each other, so. Night, Larry. Uh, I reached out to Paul, actually, asked him what it's like to work with you. Don't worry, it's all good things. <laughs> he says, working with Taryn, he fights for the work to be great. There isn't any leniency towards settling or aimlessness. Everything he does seems to have purpose, a sense of internal poise and posture, and it's done with a humble spirit of collaboration. He's a fan. I mean, you guys are in it together, and I know this was a tough one. Tough one. He's been open about it. this. Was a tough one on him. I mean, this is a yeah, tough headspace yeah. to be in. Yeah, I mean, I'm happy. It feels like it's not my place to talk about it, but he's been very public about yeah. his difficulties while we were shooting. So, yeah, I'm. You know, yeah, I think, I think he was at a point in his life anyway, and then this opportunity comes along for him where he's presented with, I would say, I would say probably the the most. The biggest and most, well, I mean, Richard Jewell was great too, but this is, it's such a flashy performance yeah. piece for him. So I think he recognized there was a great opportunity, but also when the, write, when the writing is this good and you sort of lock into playing these people, there is, it's not like, it's not that method thing where you sort of, it's not, you know, that. Um, you don't lose yourself completely. You're always aware, yeah, but still. I feel like, yeah, and I, I, don't really, I don't really buy that personally. It's certainly not how I feel. But there is this thing of having to go to places imaginatively, certainly for him. Yeah. Um, that, you know, they're the worst things imaginable. We, they're, the, they're the parts of life and, and humanity that we would just rather pretend didn't exist. Yeah. And of course, for Paul, that's not an option. He has to, you know, it has to it has to become that. Yeah. So it was it was hard on him. I mean, it was you know I think we both felt like there were certain days where we needed to shower for five hours afterwards, you know. But um, he re he really went there, and he were, and and that's why he is rightly getting you know incredible reviews for his performance because he committed to it, and yeah. and also he went he went further than that because he said something in an interview recently that I, I really know to be true that when he's not, he's, when he, even when he's not dealing with, even when he's not dealing with words that are very evocative and descriptive, he's still thinking stuff. You can see him, the character is often kind of in this kind of drug-induced yeah. haze and you can never quite tell if he's performing, being in another sort of place or if he actually is. And you can see he's thinking dark stuff, right you know? And so I think he had a difficult time just putting it away and not, you know, not letting it get to him. I know, and I can say this because he's, he's been very public about it, but he's got, he, he, went, he went sober after yeah. doing this, yeah. which I think, you know, would have happened any, anyway, but I think it contributed to a general sort yeah. of sense of he, him needing to make a change in his life. Uh, I, I mentioned, again, just really remarkable stuff between you and, and Ray Liotta. Um, even watching this, by the way, I don't know if like the first like episode, the first part of it, I almost feel like the first section is like the last section of Goodfellas. It's like Henry Hill at the end of Goodfellas yeah. is the beginning yeah. of Jimmy in this story. And I, I guess, I mean, you've been privileged to have like these like really seminal kind of relationships and, and, and um, the work with actors of a different generation, mm. right? Whether it's Colin or Hugh yeah. and now Ray. Um, 
does that something that's just like, I don't know, does it put the, the hairs stand up on the back of your neck when you know that Day is gonna be with Ray Liotta in a prison? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, when I read this, of course the relationship with Larry is the, the, the it's the subject of the show and it's, it's where the interest lies. But when I read the scripts, it was, for me, the, the heart of it was the relationship with Big Jim. And I felt, probably to be honest, because of, I mean, to an extent, I think because of my own relationship with my father, I, I, who I have a complicated relationship with, um, there was something about this that really spoke to me. You know, there's, it, the, I don't know, for any of you that have seen the show, in the, in the first episode, there is a, the first scene between myself and Ray, there's a visitation scene where he says, I never wanted this for you. I wanted a totally different life. And what is great about this script is that when I read that, and I hope when you see it, you can tell he's kind of, he's, he's bullshitting his son. He, he didn't, he, he's never said that to him before. He's never given him any reason to think that he should pursue a life of decency and being a law-abiding citizen. And what I hope you see in the show is you see me completely malfunction mm. because he can't believe that his dad is saying this to him. And then you see me, then you see the character of Jimmy get on board and go, oh yeah, no, I know, I know, I know. Yeah, yeah, of course, yeah, I know. I just, you never mentioned it before. And that kind of writing where someone can write that and infer it without scripting it and it's in the subtext. I mean, that's just what I'm in it for. That it's so creatively rewarding. So I read the script and I just was, with these scenes, I just felt an incredible affinity with them. And they were the ones I was most excited about filming. And then, you know, one of my first questions when I signed on was I asked Dennis, you know, who is, who's gonna play this role, this big gym role? And he said, I want Ray Liotta. And I was like, oh my God, wow, okay, yeah, that's, that's yeah, that's, yeah, that's gonna work. That'll be, that'll be, that'll be fine. Um, and Ray read it, said yes within 24 hours. And, um, and he was so, what was, what was exciting for me was that as a 67, 66, 67 year old actor, whatever he was at the time, he was as excited about it as I was. His, his hunger for the work was just as healthy. Yeah. And he shares, like what Paul is very politely saying there is that I, I, I try and not be, I try and not be egocentric on set I try and really cultivate my ego for the work, and that's something that I, I, I can, and I can get, I get grumpy when I don't feel like everybody else is the same. And, um, and Ray, Ray has that same thing. Mm -hmm. Ray, you know, he will, he like, he does not suffer fools. He will not tolerate it if he does not feel that everybody is focused and invested. And um, yeah, so you know. It was an amazing experience working with him. He had a profound effect on me. We connected very, very quickly. And not in this like, not in a way of like, hey man, I really get along with you. This is great. Let's go and play pool later. Just or, the, you know, the nature of the work you were connecting. And, we, and it, that, yeah. it just was. There was nothing engineered or forced. It just had this um, quality of realness and authenticity. And I felt like, 
when the cameras turned, I felt like we loved each other. And it was a very, very, I know that sounds earnest, but it's how I felt. And we, you know, we really bonded in, a, in, a, in quite a profound way. We stayed in touch after the shoots and, you know, we were excited to hang out and celebrate. And, um, you know, when I've, 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 I've told this story before, but when, I've, when I first saw the show, I texted him and said, you know, it's, that is a beautiful performance for you. And I, if, I, if I may say so, I, I do think it may be one of your best. And, and he just said, you made it very easy to love my son. And that was, that was all he wrote to me. And, um, yeah, yeah. So, it, it, you know, you're right. I have worked with some great actors. I made some great friendships, particularly of the generation above me. But this one was very special to me, and it always will be. Yeah. Um, so in the, in the show, Jimmy basically tries to back out of the steel that he cuts to like commute his sentence a little bit down. Do you experience that as an actor? When you make a deal to be in a project, is there, are there second guess moments the night before, the week before? Have you ever tried to like get yeah. out of a, a job? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know, I mean, I think what I'm learning as I go along is that I know I know when the feeling is right and when the feeling is me trying to convince myself it's right. And with this one, it was, it was just, I was like a rabid dog, you know, wanting, the, wanting to sign the deal and get it, get it done so they didn't right. change their mind. Um, but yeah, and the other way as well, you know, I recently, you know, I was recently offered another prison-based drama that I read and just fell in love with, amazing character. I can't do it because it, it just it's too it's too near and too close. Right. Um, but yeah, you're always second guessing yourself. But you you know, mainly I just feel so lucky that I even have any autonomy in how I pick roles because that is a that is that is a privilege that is afforded to so few actors. Yes. Um, you know, I, I think even some like even some actors that you would know and really admire and would consider to be very successful don't feel that they can always do that and. Um, I feel very fortunate and very privileged that I am in a position to, to do that. Yeah, I think it is one of the secrets that people don't realize is that 98% of actors I think, are, I think more. are taking yeah. any, like, uh, the role. 100%. <laughs> and, they're glad, and they're glad of it. Yeah. You know, because just to be working is a privilege. Yeah. So when you're doing something like this, you just have to stop and smell the roses and realize you are in rarefied air. Yeah. Um, so since we have the luxury of time, let's do a little This Is Your Life, Taryn Edgerton. Um, going back, so y you referred to this before. Um, working class, is that uh... Yeah, I mean, I think ideas of class are changing in the UK. Sure. I was, you know, I was raised by my mother. Right. Um, and, you know, like, I, I suppose the threshold for earnings in the UK is like, you know, a, a, an under $30,000 a year household. Right. You know, she studied whilst she raised me, she had me quite young, she was 23 and, you know, I never, I, it would be wrong for me to give the impression that I ever wanted for anything, Yeah. but we didn't have a lot. Fair enough. Yeah. But suffice it to say, or fair to say, acting, a, a career in the arts, in film and TV and theater was a surprising thing. Was it something part of your life, part of your world? No, no, no one in my family's ever done it before. And I didn't do it until I was 15, going on 16. And, um, who I'm, validated that first, like, like who, did, who complimented you? Like, what gave you the bug? Like, it always happens where you're on stage, you're doing something, and someone says, you're good at this, or you're... So I feel, weirdly, and I don't know if this is, like, a complex or, like, my ego or something, 
but I feel like not, I don't feel like many people said it to me until after I left, until after I left drama school. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I, I like, I really don't. I really, I, I, there wasn't somebody who ever sat me down and went, hey, you know, you can do this. You're, when I was at youth theatre, I was never one of the golden kids. Uh, rather, I definitely wasn't. But I think that was because I was such an insufferable little shit. <laughs> they were like, they would, they would, I think they were trying to keep me, you know, just like, all right, calm down, Taryn, you're fine. Um, but... Um, we're going to circle back to that. Uh, yeah. that. <laughs> but um, I was young. But uh, I think I remember so when I was 15... I did a production of A Midsummer Night's Dream at the Aberystwyth Art Centre. Um, and it, it, it's a, for those of you who don't know, it's a Shakespearean comedy. And within that play, some of the characters rehearse and perform a play. They're called the Mechanicals. And one of those, a minor character, um, who's called Flute, the Bellows Mender, he is given, because they're an all-male company, he's given the female lead. and. He's mortified. He's so mortified. And when they gave me Flute the Bellows Mender, I was mortified. (laughs) Because I was 15. I was chubby. I was awkward. I was self-conscious. You know, it's that age where, you know, that age that kids go through where you just, you know, sometimes you see them in a restaurant and you just think, oh, God, don't worry, this will pass. You, (laughs) you you, You will settle. You'll be okay. And I was right in that sweet spot. So the idea of me wearing a dress and dancing around a stage, oh, it was... But I remember the opening night, I was in this red tutu cocktail dress thing with a wreath of flowers in my hair, like ugly lipstick daubed all over my face. And I sort of, sort of, sort of skipped out like this. <laughs> and... and um, the, the audience just fell about laughing. <laughs> and I just thought, oh no, this is it. <laughs> this is it, this is it, okay, right. And everything was abundantly clear to me immediately that I, I just knew at that moment, right, this is what I'm gonna be doing forever. Not always in a dress, <laughs> but there was something about being in front of an audience and, and um, yeah, I guess at that age it was about showmanship. It's evolved slightly. I yeah. hope now it's more about. I mean, there's still a bit of showmanship, sure. but you know, hence me. I mean, I was just going to say, yeah, come on. <laughs> but I, I think it's hopefully evolved more now into being about storytelling. I hope. But um, so that's that's where that was the sorry. That was very. You said we had some time. I'm killing it. That I'm was really worth, that really was worth every second. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, um, but I do want to talk about the insufferable little shit um, that you were. So what does that mean? Like, does that mean? So I think, so I went to a drama school called RADA in London, which is probably a very, wow, round of, round of applause got a high food in audience here, yeah. You, Swanky. Yeah, might feel differently if you went. Um, <laughs> uh, but it's, uh, well, it sounds like you know, it's quite an illustrious right. school. And I was very, very pleased and privileged to get a space. But they, they did tell me after the fact, they said, we, we didn't want to offer you a place because we didn't feel you were old enough and ready enough. But we felt that if we didn't offer you the place, you'd go elsewhere, which is true. But, you know, I mean, in terms of like harnessing a fragile young ego, <laughs> it was a little bit, you know. Anyway, um, but I think I felt like I needed to... 
um, live up to everyone else. Because right. the oldest person in the year was probably around 30. So, I mean, and when you're 19, someone who's 30, just, it just feels like they're so, so, I mean, I'm 32 now, and I realize that you say, I still don't have a clue. But, you know, at that age, I, they just seem to be leagues ahead of and above me. So I think I, I overcompensated, and I think I was just... I was just insecure, yeah. and I think I probably tried too hard, tried to win their approval too hard, um, didn't own my space enough, uh, and as a result, you know, it's that thing, like, it's a weird thing that I'm still learning, you know, some, if you're anything like me, you can have a, a sort of people-pleasing element of your nature, and it never gets you anywhere. No one respects it, no one enjoys it, no one appreciates yeah. it. Neediness is not a... It's just not a... Not, it's just, no. it just, you know, and... Um, at that age, I didn't understand that yet, I think. Right. And so I'm, I ended up, you, you can actually end up hemorrhaging your own energy. Mm. And through a desire to please those around you, you kind of lose your, you lose your power a little bit. Yeah. And I think I did that at RADA a little bit. So, and then we did our third year sh shows and it all went quite well, quite quickly. I got representation right. very quickly. You left early to do a play, I right? left early to do a play at the National yeah. Theatre, yeah. Which, and I felt... And I had imposter syndrome about it. I couldn't work out what was it. I had to completely, because by the end of the second year, I, I actually felt that my confidence was, was, was shot to bits. And I did this show in my third year and, and things started to happen very, very quickly. Right. And, um, and it took me a real moment to have to readjust and kind of sort of come to terms with it a bit really. And then the following two years were crazy. So enter Kingsman. Yeah. Um, so Kingsman uh, is this rare case where Matthew Vaughn, a great filmmaker, um, I know they're looking at all types of actors uh, of different experience and different name recognition, but there was certainly clearly an interest in at least casting a wide berth. Mm. And I guess I'm curious, first, here's my first question. Before, it was written for Aaron. It was, I was going to say, Aaron Taylor Johnson is my, was my guest. It was written right? for Aaron. Yeah, oh, it just didn't sense. come together. I don't okay. know the particulars about why it didn't come yeah. together. But Matthew wanted Aaron for it. They'd just come off kick-ass. They have a close relationship. So uh, it was written for Aaron. And Matthew just, you know, wanted to find somebody whose name he could remember, I think. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I mean, clearly you're in a different space when you get that role because you keep talking about kind of this imposter syndrome, et cetera. By the time you get on set, for Kingsman, as the lead, as the Kingsman, um, <laughs> you have to, you can't fake it. Are you, do you feel like you were faking it till you made it, or did you feel like I deserve to be here? Because I know you've said that script spoke to you and it felt like this was your part. I did feel like it was my part, yeah. I think I knew, I knew that the skills were transferable and I'd just done, so I'd had a year when I was out of drama school of working pretty solidly. I'd done two plays. I'd done a TV show that was, sadly didn't do very well, but I'd had a real, I felt like I was kind of learning on the job, certainly about camera craft and being on set, which I had no experience of at all. Right. Um, so I came to it feeling like I'd at least done something, but um, yeah, I mean, it was completely overwhelming. I mean, Colin's like quite low key and I, I found it very easy to sort of, uh, he and I found commonality very, very quickly. But, you know, when you're looking at Michael Caine and Samuel L. Jackson, yeah. you know, it's like, oh, my God. You know, it feels like, <laughs> I don't know, it's like being on Hollywood safari or something, isn't it? And Matthew, for those that don't know, I wouldn't call him, like, a chill director. Like, he's, like, a tough dude. He's, no, like... He's a fucking nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> he's a... He's a... <laughs> 
That's I mean, your I, friends. He can I call him that, right? Yeah, yes. I mean, I actually, he's like family. But, yeah, he's, com he's a complete pain in the arse. Yeah. <laughs> he's, um, so you in know, some ways, the best director. I mean, it's sometimes good to, like, work for a hard-ass right from the start. Being on mic now, in this space, <laughs> so imagine you're me, right? You've just done a scene. You've given it your all. You're a young actor. You're low on experience, and you've really given it. You're opposite Oscar-winning Colin Firth. And you hear this. Tarrant? <laughs> fucking thing I can't... F Tarrant? What the fuck was that? <laughs> God, Matt, please. That's a good note. Yeah. I mean, it tells I mean, the story. I, I, love, I love him, but he's, he's like... He's tough and he's straight, you know? <laughs> and he hasn't always, you know... You know, minded my fragile ego. But here we are, five movies later, yeah. and he and I, uh, our relationship is as strong as it's ever, ever, ever been, and we love working together. I am totally bulletproof to his unusual directing <laughs> style. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, you know, I, I, I feel like with me and Matthew, I don't... That, that relationship now, I am totally... I don't, that's not going anywhere. I think we'll be making movies for, for a long time. I hope, anyway. Let, let's take a, a look at, yeah. Um, this is a scene from Kingsman. I think this might have even been your audition scene. It's a very key scene between you and Colin. Uh, let's see what memories this jogs. Wow. <laughs> so before you was a tailor, was you in the army? Like an officer? Not quite. So where was you posted? Iraq or something? Sorry, Exit. Classified. But my dad saved your life, yeah? The day your father died, I missed something. And if it went for his courage, my mistake would have cost the lives of every man present. So I owe him. Your father was a brave man. A good man. And having read your files, I think you'd be bitterly disappointed in the choices you've made. You can't talk to me like that. Huge IQ, great performance at primary school. And it all went tits up. Drugs. Petty crime. Never had a job. Oh, you think there's a lot of jobs going around here, do you? Doesn't explain why you gave up your hobbies. First prize, regional under-10s gymnastics, two years in a row. Your coach had you pegged as Olympic team material. Yeah, well, when you go around someone like my stepdad, you pick up new hobbies pretty quick. And of course, always someone else's fault. Who's to blame for you quitting the Marines? You're halfway through training, doing brilliantly, but you gave up. Because my mum went mental, banging on about losing me as well as my dad. Didn't want me being cannon fodder for snobs like you. Judging people like me from your ivory towers with no thought about why we do what we do. We ain't got much choice, you get me? And if we was born with the same silver spoon up our asses, we'd do just as well as you. If not better. What the fuck are you doing here? You're taking a piss. Some more examples of young men who simply need a silver suppository. No, there are exceptions. Come on. Nonsense, we haven't finished our drinks. After you nicked his card, Dean says you're a fair guy. And you don't give a shit what your mum says. Um, listen, boys. I've had a rather emotional day, so whatever your beef with Eggsy is, and I'm sure it's well-founded, I'd appreciate it enormously if you could just leave us in peace until I finish this lovely pint of Guinness. You should get out of the way, Granddaddy. You'll get out and all. He ain't joking. You should go. Mm. <laughs> wow. 
spoiler alert, Colin then kicks everybody's ass. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> was that the audition scene? Was that also? It was one of, yeah. One of them, yeah. Oh, gee, I'd forgotten, Colin's quite camp in that bit. It's good, isn't it? <laughs> I love it, but it's fun. Look, I love that because he does, he's about to do, you know, lethal weapon times a million. Yeah. So it's quite fun to offset it with just a little bit of, love a little it. twinkle in his eye. I love it. Uh, where are we at on Kingsman 3? Is there still a want? Is there still a need? Yeah, very, very much so. I can't speak for Colin. Um, I would love to do another one. I think it would be nice to finish off the story. I, you know, have strong feelings about it and ideas about it, which Matthew will claim are all his. Um, <laughs> um, you know, I, I really think that, that... I think there is a story where those... I, I, you know, I'm not... It's interesting, I'm not sure that it works. I don't know where, I haven't spoken to Colin for a long time about it, but I do think there's a story where those characters, where their relationship is tested. Mm -hmm. And I would love to, to explore that. Um, but, um, you know, it, it's, it's, it is totally out of my hands. You'd have to ask Matthew about it, but I would love to do. I mean, also, you know, I can't, I can't play the boy spy much longer, you know, it's like... Well, I was going to say, just by the nature of it, you would be a man in that. You're not, yeah, you can't be the yeah. kid that you were. That's, no. That changes the whole story in a way. Yeah, and I think it would be nice to take it to a place where... I think it would be nice to take it to a place where he's sort of... Where he is... He's the, he's the man now, and, you know... You know what I mean? <laughs> and, um... And then... <laughs> and, um... And then... And then, and then call it and end the story in, a, in a, you know, a nice, elegant way. And then, you know, who knows? Maybe you could, I, I suppose, what I felt when I was younger that I would love to do is no one enough's enough. And then there's always the chance then in 10, 15 years of me doing, me, me doing the Colin bit with somebody else. And that, that could be really fun. Oh, yeah. You know, that would be, that would be interesting to me. Um, but anyway, you'd have to ask Matthew. Yeah. He wants to do, we both really want to do it. You just want more of that loving attention on set. I get it. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Um, so, I mean, you were talking, we were talking about the luxury of choice. I mean, in the wake of Kingsman, you suddenly are up for like these like major franchises and roles. I mean, reportedly you were up for Cyclops, for Han Solo. Like, and, and there are reports that like you actually took yourself out of the running of maybe both of those. Like, so that's... Yeah, I mean, that's... it's hard, isn't it? Because it's not, it's a funny, I feel like there's an unspoken thing in Hollywood where you, sh where you, it feels almost taboo to talk about the conversations you've had that never come to a reality. But I don't care about that. <laughs> um, uh, no, I did. I removed myself from both of those, from both of those races. I did. Why yeah. in the Han Solo case? Because is it, did it just feel like too, like... That's hitting a bullet with a bullet. It's just impossible to. Felt that that's. I, <laughs> I felt that. I mean, I'll be honest. I I I I got on the Falcon. I was with Chewie. I was in the full costume. Well, you got the experience. I mean, there you and go. I and do you know what? That's what I felt like. I felt like I got there. I did it. I lived it. And there was one more. There was, I, there was another round that I, that I decided not to do. And it's, it's far enough in the past now that yeah. I feel I can say that. I hope it doesn't, I hope um, no one feels annoyed that I have said it. But um, it just felt to me like I didn't feel, 
Like, you know, you know, you mentioned earlier that thing when I read the Kingsman script and I was like, this is, I, I, this, yeah. I've got to do this, this is my part. I just didn't feel it. Yeah, the person that does this needs to feel like this is theirs. And yeah, it's, it's and can great. really own it and really, because you're following Harrison Ford. No, no, you just do, no one ever wants to follow Harrison Ford, no. you know? No. Um, so yeah, that, 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 didn't, that didn't happen and um, yeah. So uh, time is flying by. We can't go any further without talking about Rocket Man, which, I mean, come on. Um, what a great, great piece of work. Dexter Fletcher directing, Matthew Vaughn producing. Yeah. Didn't, you didn't audition for it. It just comes to you. That's an amazing opportunity when that comes to you. Yeah, that was, that was, you know, that was sort of like one of the, that was one of the first times that really, yeah, I mean, yeah, it was amazing. I think, although, do you know, we did sit down at Abbey Road and they had me kind of like sing and mock up playing the piano. Got it. And I think they might have been auditioning me without telling me they were auditioning me. <laughs> Let's just get together said, and why don't you sing and read lines? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What they said is like, they said, hey, you know the studio, we just need to, we just, we just really want to do this for Paramount. Yeah. You know, I think they, they, need to see, they, need to, they need to be able to see what we're talking about. <laughs> and I was like, oh, right, yeah, cool. And it was only after I did it, I thought, I think I've just been I think I've just been kind of like sneak audition for something. Um, but yeah. Let's look at a clip again, because yeah. this is too good to pass up. Let's look at a little bit of rocking. And all this science, I don't understand. It's just my job five days a week. A rocket man, a rocket man. And I think it's gonna be a long, long time till touchdown brings me round again to find I'm not. That's a special one. That's that's uh, that's gonna yeah, go down. Was, yeah, I mean it was just you know an amazing, amazing 
two years of my life, I, I just felt like, I don't know, everything aligned, you know, for me and Dexter, after Eddie the Eagle wanting something that had, you know, that we were excited and charged about, for me and Matthew as the producer, and, and also for this relationship that I built with, with, you know, with the big man, you know, it was like, it took on this weird quality where we were, we were, I was playing him, but we were also kind of becoming very close friends. And, and, yeah. and also as well, you know, like David, his husband, right. doesn't get mentioned enough, you know, my relationship with him. It was all just this perfect storm of just color and creativity. And everyone who was there wanted to be there, was bringing their A game, you know, Julian David, the costumes, all, you know, it's just, it's just yeah, it was amazing. Are you allowed to still sing Elton John at karaoke, or are you like considered a ringer? Like I feel like no, that's cheating. It's like you know when um, you know like when boxers have their hands registered as deadly weapons. Right. <laughs> they take it out of the jukebox when you walk in. They're like, yeah, yeah. yeah. They're like, Quick, get it out, and they have to because otherwise I'd be there. You know. Uh, no, I mean you know sometimes I you know like I'm terrible for just singing around the house and in my day-to-day -day life, but I've had to very consciously say, okay, you've got to leave that material alone now because people have heard plenty, you know? You clearly love to sing. I mean, is that something that's always like, you're always on the lookout for another musical project? Yeah, for sure, absolutely. You know, I, um, there was, you know, this, I don't get offered loads. Um, there was a conversation around Little Shop of Horrors for a while, which I know Chris has spoken publicly about, but it just... Thank you for reminding me. So I just spoke to Chris about this. Yeah. <laughs> And he told me he has the audition tape he did as the dentist sitting on his phone. Chris Evans auditioned? That's, thank you, I know. Maybe he was just testing himself. Have you seen, have you seen said video? Have you seen him singing as the uh, dentist? No, but it's genius casting. Brilliant, so you were gonna be Seymour, which. I was gonna be Seymour, oh yeah. Oh my God. But, um, and I played that role when I was 17. It, sort of, you know that story I told you about Midsummer Night's Dream? Maybe 18 months later I did Seymour. And it was a really special, uh, that was a really special show. We only did like five performances, but it was in a theater, you know, probably, you know, maybe half the size of this. So it was felt like a proper show. And we, yeah. they, they, they bought a big ex-professional plant that was really tired and tatty, but they, they, they zhuzhed it up and repainted it. And it looked like it was straight off the West End or Broadway, it was amazing. Um, so for me, I, it felt like things coming full circle. And, but it, it just, it just didn't, it couldn't get itself together. Up, right? It yeah. couldn't, it just, they couldn't make it work. Yeah, it's a shame, it's a real shame. I, I still kind of quietly hope it'll come back around, but I, I feel like it might not. Um, let's not go to sad news, let's go to happy news. <laughs> um, although we're gonna set the record straight a little bit because I was talking to you backstage and this is the thing everybody asks you about, so let's just get it out of the way. Wolverine. Yeah. Um, so there's been talk that you would be perfect. I think you would be amazing uh, in this role. What, is there, is there reality? What, what's the reality? Is there so the something the going on? The reality is that I, that there's been a lot of like fan casting for it. Yep. And I took a general meeting with Kevin about four years ago where I said it would be, I, I, I love the movies. I would love to do something. And he said, you know, it would be great if we could find something. I walked away and haven't spoken to him since. <laughs> um, I check my emails every five minutes. <laughs> uh, but there's no, there was never, you know, in fact, 
it, there, was a there was a character I mentioned in that meeting, but it wasn't that one. Okay. So, so that puts it in some perspective. So there's no truth, no reality yeah. to it. Um, but, you know, I I'd love to be a part. I'm a fan of those movies, so. Have you talked to Hugh about it? Because whoever takes that role. No, because I'm worried. I saw Hugh yesterday, actually. But I'm worried that if I mention it, that he'll, I don't, you know, that he'll think like, like, I don't know. I don't know. I, it's his role, right? It's his. Until like, Taron stars, yeah. Do you know what? <laughs> no. And of course, there's no truth to it. Right. So if there was truth to it, I would talk to him about it, clearly. But there's no truth to it, so there's no conversation. So I've never felt the need to mention it to him. I do want to show you one piece of video, because you do have two people that are voting for you that are pretty noteworthy in the Marvel Universe that I spoke to very recently. Can we roll this clip? This is the uh, Joe and Anthony Russo, the directors of Avengers. Uh, really? And Game and Infinity War. <laughs> wow. I'm just curious. I'm about to talk to Taron Edgerton. He's being talked yeah. about as potentially the next uh, Wolverine. I mean, I'm sure you guys love Wolverine. What do you think about Taron potentially? Does he, does he fit the bill? Do you have an actor in your mind? I in your love Taron. I think Taron is immensely talented. He's an incredible actor. If you saw his portrayal of Elton John, you know. I mean, this is a, you know, he, he has an incredible range uh, and his charisma on screen is fantastic. Somebody asked us a, a couple of weeks ago and prepped for, you know, during early press for Gray Man, you know, if you could pick Chris Evans for one part, what would it be? And we joked and said Wolverine because we knew it would be controversial. But, you know, Taron is truly uh, uh, an actor who should be playing Wolverine. He truly should be. I mean, he's He's excellent. Wow. Wow. Joe is going to get a nice gift in the mail. <laughs> I'm just trying to inch this forward. I'm just trying to help you out, buddy. I, look, mate, you're a star. I look, I, I, I lo Joe's lovely and, and has always been very, very supportive of yep. me. And actually, that, we had an amazing weekend at Cannes celebrating Rocket Man. And I spent about 75% of my time of those three days getting very, very drunk with Joe Russo. Um, <laughs> you know, he's, he's uh, and, he, and he and I, uh, I, um, I don't know his brother so well, actually, but, I, but Joe and, and I have got a, a lovely friendship and, and have tried to get a couple of things going okay. that haven't quite worked out, but he's, he's amazing. And that's so, so lovely. That's, I mean, you know, that's really lovely. Um, before we, I got a bunch of questions from the audience, but I do want to ask, uh, so you've shot another film recently about the creation of Tetris? Yes. Yes. Sporting so, an interesting mustache? It's very interesting mustache. Very interesting mustache. And you can't ask me if it's real because it's like asking a lady her age. I wasn't going to, I wouldn't dare. Um, so, yeah, that's, that's a movie that I shot. I actually shot that bef just before... Blackbird. Oh, got it. Okay. But it spent, um, to be honest, because I was doing Blackbird and because of COVID and I was in New Orleans and not able to travel, it actually ended up holding up the production on Tetris because we needed to do a few days of reshoots, which we did about, I don't know, a month, six weeks ago. Um, it's very, very different. I'm it's very, very different to Blackbird. Um, uh, any street cred I've accrued is about to go out the window again. <laughs> Just uh, vast, going back and forth, vacillating. Uh, yeah. I love it. I love but it. I kind of that I, I, that sort of weirdly appeals to me. Yeah. I don't. I kind of don't really like the feeling of if I can avoid being put in a box, I'll avoid it. Right. That, that that's part of kind of the excitement of my job to me. 
All right, some questions from the audience. Uh, let's see, Emily wants to know, what's the piece of life advice you've received, or best piece of life advice you've received, and how has that helped you get you to where you are today? Um, bet on yourself is quite a good one, I think. If you can find, because we all have those dark days of the soul where, I mean, I have them, I have them every few hours, you know, where you have little mini crises of confidence and uh, problems with self-belief. And um, actually, to be totally honest, when I stepped out here and sat here, and I was totally, totally relaxed about this whole thing, felt really, really good. And as soon as I sat down, I thought, oh my God, I'm gonna have a panic attack. I really did. And, I, and those sort of things happened. And I got over it really quickly. Yeah. But they're the things, like, I don't even know why I told you that, but like, <laughs> but, yeah, but, um, but you know, I, I think, bet on you, I like bet on yourself because it's like a way of just going, you got, it's, you got this, you know, you'll right. be fine. So right. bet on yourself is a good one, I think. Um, so you're an executive producer on this. Uh, this is a, a question from Marissa, asking, have you been an executive producer on a project before? I think I know the answer to that, but let us know, I guess, why this? And is that an aspiration to do more producing in the future? Yeah, um, it is. No, I don't think it's not, it's, and it's not like everything I read to. I, I'm very happy just with shut up and do your job, you know, and just stick with the acting let the grown-ups deal with the rest. But I think, when I, I think when I read this, I felt that, I was, I was so excited about it. Um, I knew it was going to draw other great people to it. And I think I felt that I had just thoughts and feelings about other elements of it, um, in terms of, you know, how it should be brought to life. Mm -hmm. And I, I asked not, actually thinking they were going to say yes, to be honest. But they did, and it was great. It does, and it's not, to be honest, it doesn't afford, as an actor, as an executive producer, it's not that it affords you, like, it's not like you're um, wandering around set making sure other people are doing their job or anything, you know? Um, but you do, I, it does validate you. Actually, I have to say, I believe there's a great man in tonight who's called Joe Chappelle, who directed half of Blackbird. He's a really great guy, and I'd love it if you could all give him a little round of applause. Yeah. Um, but, um, you know, it meant that certainly when working with someone like Joe or in creative discussions with Dennis or Kerry Antholis, who's um, kind of chief on the ground producer on the show, I've, it validated me to have to voice, voice thoughts yeah. and feelings about other things, and I mean, I, I hope I, you know, you try and execute yourself with grace and don't kind of try and stick your stick your oar in, as it were. Sure. But it's nice to be. I'm excited by those conversations, creatively, yeah. um, and it's just around things like, you know, I was involved in the casting of Larry, and that was that I've never had that before. But I, I was passionate about Paul, and um, and luckily, you know other people felt the same. I feel like you never have the same accent in two different projects, so this question is good. Uh, Micah wants to know, uh, was it difficult to develop an American accent? I mean, you've done American before, this is a different accent though. Yeah. Really you have a facility for this, this is. I don't know, I mean, I, I had a guy, at, you know, I'd love to claim it was all me, but I have a, there's a guy who I work with called Carter Bellamy, who's a really brilliant, he's a, he's a lovely, lovely actor, but he's also a great kind of, he's got a real talent for linguistics and dialects, and he and I, sort of develop the sound together, that kind of um, Chicago sound. Um, it, yeah, you, I mean, you sound shit for a while, you know, but it, 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 it kind of grows and develops and you just have to make sure you do enough work before you get to set. Because the thing that, 
the thing that um, what is often not said is that you have to be you have to have done it enough so that you can stop thinking about it right. because if you're thinking about it then you're not thinking about what the character is thinking or what the cat or what kind of what the cat they, I mean they call it pursuing you know pursuing an action you know or an objective what's my you know what's my character's objective you, you know <laughs> you can't you can't, <laughs> you can't why does that go into an american accent when you're a pretentious actor what, what's that yeah. about? <laughs> i don't know actors just love talking it up don't they we love <laughs> right. it we love we love it um, no but it is getting out of your own head that yeah you've got to get out of your own head exactly like... so you have to do a lot of work so that it becomes second nature and then if you if you are in the, the really fortunate privilege of having somebody around like carter he'll come in and say hey you're slipping out of that sound, not right. quite right. Don't you know? Um, it's it's funny. I always remember he'd always come in in between takes and say, "It's amazing," but <laughs> and you you know Matthew Vaughn should take some tips. Exactly, maybe. Matthew <laughs> could certainly take some tips out of Carter's school of giving notes. <laughs> uh, Rachel says you've successfully tackled several different genres. Uh, so the big question for her is, would you want to do a horror film? And do you have a preferred dream director? Wow, I love, I, yeah, I mean, I, I would love to do a horror movie. I really, really, I really enjoy horror movies. Um, Who's on the shortlist for horror or anything right now? Uh, for horror, it would be Robert Eggers or Ari Aster, probably. So the correct answer. Or, I mean, Jordan Peele, yeah. you know? Yeah. Um, I feel like they're the, they're the guys who are doing mega, mega interesting stuff. Right? Although I just saw this great movie. Uh, it's a Scandinavian movie. I'm really embarrassed that I can't remember exactly where. But a, a great movie called The Innocents. Has anyone seen that movie yet? It's so good. You've got to watch that movie. It's really good. Okay. There's a lady nodding enthusiastically there. <laughs> um, so it's really cool. It's about like four kids who um, are on... I, they're on like a... It's like a council estate, um, or a housing estate, rather, where they live. And they just start to... It's it's um, what was that Dane DeHaan movie the, the, where the, where they start, start and Michael I think Michael Jordan Michael B Jordan was in it as well where they start developing superpowers Oh Chronicle Chronicle yeah, yeah, yeah. it's got a bit of that to it but it's much darker these kids just start to develop powers you've got to watch The Innocence okay it's, great. it's okay. really great yeah okay um, let's see sorry I went off on one then didn't I No I love <laughs> you've got good taste we like this if you could have dinner with three people dead or alive who would they be um, that is hard. So, uh, so I weirdly felt when Bowie died, I felt like the universe was like lined up wrong because I felt destined to meet him. He's my he's my hero, and I and I and I have and I've met comparable people. That's what's frustrating about it is I've met. I've met McCartney and I've met right. obviously Elton and right. Stevie Wonder and Joni Mitchell, all these amazing, amazing people. Um, but he was probably top of the list for me. Yeah. And it, you know, it just, it was like a weird, that, I mean, as a lot of people did, when he, when he died, I, I, I mourned him, you know, <laughs> I yeah. really did. Yeah. And um, it, it just makes no sense. But so, so maybe Bowie, um, God, it's all musicians springing to mind. Um, uh, come on, Taron, come on, come on, come on. You just leave two spots open and just have Bowie to yourself. It's okay. You, I think I just want it to be me and Bowie. That's fine. Don't <laughs> Do want other people I mean? infringe on that fun. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, there's a lot to talk about. Yeah. All right, let's end with this, a travel tip. Iris wants to know, what would be a nice thing to do in Wales in early October? Any uh, <laughs> important stuff. Okay, I mean, early October, you take an umbrella. 
um, I mean, you know, there is truly, truly. Where are you going? Iris. Okay. Wow. That's just, just took a turn. Can't wow. take Iris anywhere. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Uh, um, so Snowdonia is, is beautiful. I'd say if you go up to that part of the country, there's, there's, um, you can't really go wrong. Um, am I coming with you then? Is that what's <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. This, this, conversation, this conversation started with a panic attack and it's ending in a panic Yeah, exactly. Attack. exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, yeah, Snowdonia, if you head that way, there's some beautiful hikes and it's just um, incredible, incredible scenery. Um, yeah. yeah. Excellent. Um, look, I always love talking to you, man. It's, Likewise. Been, it's been amazing to see just where the career's gone in, in the early years, and I look forward to our many conversations in the future. Uh, thank you guys so much for coming out today. Blackbird on Apple TV+, Plus, another, honestly, exceptional piece of work from Taryn and the cast. Thank you. Uh, give it up for Taryn Edgerton. And so ends another edition of Happy, Sad, Confused. Remember to review, rate, and subscribe to this show on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm a big podcast person. I'm Daisy Ridley, and I definitely wasn't pressured to do this by Josh. <laughs>